State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's good, everybody? It is our favorite time of the year here at the Black Effect. We're heading down to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival. And we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. That's how we own it. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the place place where where the the streets streets and politics politics meet. Listen, my son, it's freezing cold. I was gone for some time i came back to new york city and it's literally 20 degrees the weather is going to kill us i'm trying to figure out why people would even say that there is no global warming because we are literally watching like something happen because it's freezing outside it's 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 muy frio muy frio out there man i went outside it was 25 degrees took my kids to school i'm like what 20 like it's freezing freezing it ain't like the fake cold it's the real cold outside this is crazy it is it's really crazy but it's like the way that the weather goes up and down and then on the days when it's warm you see people outside that they done got all the way naked and you one of those people that when the weather changes you have your little jacket no jacket this and that y'all people better keep y'all winter coats on before y'all have all kinds of sicknesses we tired of winning coats, man. I'm tired of winning big old coats. You get in the car, you got to unbutton it. You got to zip it down. You be on fire. Like, it's too much, man. Why don't this weather just hurry up and break, man? This 28 degrees. This ain't, this ain't it. Yeah, I hope it doesn't stay like this for a long time because it definitely makes you sick. So we're getting ready to go to Africa. Um, this is like a huge, 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 huge moment for Until Freedom getting an opportunity to go to the motherland, to the continent where all things originated from. Africa. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. I'm really excited. And I think I have a a level of excitement for each country that we're visiting. Of course, I've always wanted to see the pyramids. And so many people think like, oh, you must have gone to some part of Africa before. And actually, I haven't. Uh, The closest that we got was in Palestine. We were right there. Hope, you know, trying to go to the West Bank, which is some somewhat, I guess, connected to Egypt. 
but never ever have we actually been to Africa directly. And I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to, I guess, the restoration, the feeling of like connection to our people. We're meeting with so many different um, leaders, activists, filmmakers. It's going to be a real, real powerful experience over yeah. on, on, on the, and, and on the soil for which our ancestors, from which our ancestors came. That is something powerful that I think everybody should experience in their lifetime. Yeah, I think so too. I've been, I'm really looking forward to it. Just want to learn the history and just be, you know, I, I hear that you can actually feel the spirit and the essence of the ancestors when you own the motherland. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to just taking that energy, man. I've been dealing, we've been dealing with so much over the last year, especially. So, you know, I really want to take that time to just reconnect and recenter myself. And we're, what better place than to do it in Africa, so. Yeah, what better place? I hope the, um, I've heard too that it's like super hot and that there's mosquitoes. So, you know me, I'm always getting myself <laughs> Off, you better get you some off for my my off and my clothes covering my skin, but I don't care. I'm going to be outside and with the people, and that's the only thing about trips that I get really, really like bothered by is when you go on a trip and it's so difficult. People are like, oh, it's not safe. It's this, and I don't believe that. Like, I want to go directly to where the people live that are that really would benefit and we would benefit from seeing one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I want to be. And I, I understand that you have to be careful about how you approach those communities because you have people there who are like, don't come here with this shit, like without bringing resources and support. And I get it. But it also feels like when you go do all the touristy things, you don't have an opportunity to connect with like real everyday folks. And that for me is just never good with any trip. And, and I think we do a good job everywhere we go, no matter what state, no matter what city, we are always trying to find where is the heart of the people and, and, the, and the land. So, you know, that's, that's always a, a tug of war because every single travel uh, coordinator, they like, uh-uh, you know, you can't go here, you can't walk there, but we got to try to figure out how to make that happen. We definitely got to figure out how to make that happen, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've been just going over the, the itinerary and it really looks, looks like it's going to be something for the books, man. So in other news, the Oscars is the talk of the town uh, for a lot of different reasons. I hate the fact that like we, um, you know, when something, when one thing happens, we're unable to like still focus on other things. Blue Ivy being in the performance with, um, with her mom, uh, 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 Meg Thee Stallion performing. Um, what's the, the guy's name that won? Quest Love? My God, Quest Love, man. Man, he won um will packer being the producer uh let's see what other beautiful moments i mean it's just so many things that happen um that you know you feel good about it's like you want to see these shows get better they're not there yet we know from the oscars to the grammys all of these shows 
they are far, far, far behind in terms of representing our culture completely and thoroughly, you know, so that we're not about to say, oh, it's the best, but we see that there are some changes that are happening, including having Will Packer and his team uh, produce the entire show. Those things are good and we want to continue to see more about it. But whenever there is one moment that is the highlight, all those other moments, people don't really focus on them and everybody runs to like the drama. They, you know, we-, we Well, what, what was the highlight? I didn't, I didn't know. No, I'm just saying people feed off of drama. I mean, obviously the highlight of the Oscars was Will Smith slapping um, Chris Rock. That's what- That happened? Are you about. serious? He smacked Chris Rock? That is what people are going to talk about. But there were other incredible things that happened. Yes, there were. And, and you know, like, unfortunately, like I say all the time, unfortunately, the algorithm is set up to always amplify and promote the negativity. And, you know, and, and that's just the world we live in. People are driven to, to the drama, you know, they're driven to the conflict, you know, and, and, and that's where we are. Man. I just think for me, you know, shout out to everybody who at those awards, um, everybody who won awards. A lot happened. You know, there's a lot to unpack. And there are a lot of people who are going to have opinions. There's going to be opinions that this one's wrong, this one's right, this and that. But I just say all the time, you cannot predict how anyone will respond to your disrespect. You can want to. We can all say, well, I don't think you should have reacted that way. I don't think he should have this, or this wasn't the place. And, and you might be totally right, or you might, everybody has an opinion. But when you are the person who is being disrespected, and you have to intake the disrespect and you have to listen, you have to internalize it and you have to look at your kids and look at your wife and look at your family and you have to be this man and you have to constantly deal with those things. You get to choose how you respond to that disrespect. And, and I think that is a classic example of what happened last night. You know, and, and you know, I, I believe that when you look at, we have to ask ourselves, about Will Smith, someone who's shown such class throughout his career, throughout his life. He's dealt, he's laughed at things the average person would have been blew up at. He's showed so much courage and so much transparency about his own personal lives. And he's dealt with what comes with that, you know? And I think at some point you have to ask when is enough, right? We have to look at, okay, we, we ask celebrities, we ask people who are in the media, who are public figures to just take things as if they're Iron Man, as, as if they're not perfect. And the people who are judging Will or feel like he did this and that wrong, they've done way more. They wouldn't have dealt with half the shit that he's, he's dealt with, one third of the shit that he's had to deal with throughout his career, throughout his life. You know, so to be able to, to make that judgment is, is good to have that, you know, luxury to sit in your living room and not have to deal with the ills that that man has to deal with every day and be able to, to judge it. But once again, you know, 
people have their own boiling point, their own breaking point, their own line that you can't cross. And you have to make sure that you are intentional about not being intentional about disrespecting people. You know, Niecy Nash said last night that her feelings are still buffering, right? She was doing a live with her wife um, and she said, my feelings are still buffering. And I kind of feel that way. Like I am, I have so many different emotions about the, not so much even the moment, it's more so the response to the moment, right? Like one thing I'm really, really um, clear on is that we do not have to live by a standard of what white people say is right. That is something that I'm absolutely resolved with that the, in the, the, the idea that because white people might feel or they may see and think certain things that it means that we have to behave or act a certain type of way, that for me, I throw that out completely. I think that um, fights happen, people have fights, shit happens, Puff said it last night, things happen, like things happen. And we're not in a perfect bubble. None of us are, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, the world isn't perfect and things happen. And really, I do see where people are constantly sort of like pricking at will, just constantly pricking at him because he has been so much of the model person that he tries to be positive, stay about love, stay out the way. You know, he knows that he's a larger than life figure. And I think he got an opportunity. He is, he, and especially now, he is beginning, he is now sitting in the front seat of watching how disrespectful people can be to Black women, right? This week, the Crown Act has passed and this is, or last week, the Crown Act passed, and this is legislation that specifically deals with people leaving us alone about our hair. Let you work, go to school, do what you want about your hair, and having someone to even make a joke about something so sensitive, I can see how it completely, completely set him off. And along with other things, not just from Chris Rock, but in general, from folks and just in society thinking that it's okay to just keep pricking at him. And I think he just finally was like, this is one of those moments when I'm not gonna do the politically correct thing. And whether you agree with it or not, it was his choice and he did it and he will have to accept whatever come, whatever goes along with that. But I still also would say that um yeah like i'm just i'm just i'm not even willing to feed into the perception that because somebody had a fight it's the end of the world or because somebody hit somebody it's the end of the world i'm just not willing to feed into that you know and i think it's it's like you said it's a lot to really unpack it really it really is because the emotional part of seeing denzel and Tyler Perry walk over to their brother who they know would not generally just do something like that unless 
it has reached a boiling point of just no more. You know, that's just not something that you would ever see Will Smith do, right? And to see them walk over and be with him and talk to him after they know that his wife was disrespected and her feelings were hurt, that to me, it was just a moment that like, we got to talk about that more. Center, like what were they saying to each other? And what did they all feel as black men in that moment, knowing that, and you think Will doesn't know he's going to be criticized. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. This is a man who can think quick, right? Like he can think faster than the average person. Yeah. He can think, he can think really fast, faster than the average person, because this man lives in the public eye and every single day he's making decisions. And he made a decision that last night, that was, that was literally it for him. It was literally it. And I think people, you know, I think people keep classifying as emotional and a breakdown. And I think for me, I, I don't, I don't really agree with that. Right. I think, I think as men, there's a process that goes on in your mind, right? Especially when you're a thinker, when you, when you, when you think of when you, somebody like Will Smith, who's navigated throughout this industry, who you've watched constantly outthink people, who utilize strategies to capitalize off negative shit that people try to do with him all the time. He's taking the high road. I think at this point, right? There was a situation, you know, because I remember the 2016 Oscar Awards, right? When Jada was very adamant and vocal about boycotting because the lack of representation for Black people. She was mad that Will wasn't nominated for concussion. She said he pretty much did everything. Most people agreed, you know, and I remember watching Chris Rock be the host of it. And I remember him making jokes that didn't make me feel good as a Black person in that moment. I remember him making jokes about Jada, about Will, diminishing what they felt at that moment. And it was something that was most people in Hollywood understood that there was no black representation. And and Chris Rock utilized his voice to not highlight that reality, but to diminish the fact that these people and this man's wife had called for this boycott by basically saying that she didn't have the right to call for a boycott, that because she wasn't nominated, that why would we even listen to you? You weren't invited here. And that's a man's wife. That's the mother of his children. You know, that they, they sat home and watched to see, okay, this, this is a black man. He's a brother, somebody that we respect. And he's, he's gonna do this regardless. So we're gonna, we're gonna sit back and see how he utilizes this moment that we've garnered the energy for because we've called out the Oscars. We wanna see how he utilizes this moment to hold the Oscars accountable. Right. But in, 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 high, in, 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 in disregard for that, he chose to utilize that to diminish the two people who were trying to fight. And I felt that was disrespectful. I felt it was wrong. I said it then. I didn't understand why he utilized his voice in that manner in a lot of people. And when he talked about Jada in that manner, I say all the time, people say, oh, well, he wouldn't, Will wouldn't have did this if this and that, if, if this was a white person or this comedian. And I say to myself, Chris, Rock's would, Chris Rock wouldn't have made those 
jokes about Jody Foster. He wouldn't have said Meryl Streep can't call for a boycott. He wouldn't have talked about white women that they see as some level of value in Hollywood and say, who are they to call for a boycott? And if he would have, the white people in the room wouldn't have laughed at him. They wouldn't have thought it was amusing. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have got hysterically laughed about the way that he talked about that man's wife. And, and, and I say that to say that. And so when I look at this situation, there's a buildup. There's a man having to sit in his house, and every time I watch Jada was doing walking through TMZ, he was like, hey, how do you feel about what Chris Rock had to say about you? And I have to keep, how do you feel about what Chris Rock said? Whoa, this is the biggest stage in the world on that night. He utilized that time to diminish that woman, and she had to constantly deal with it. And that man had to constantly look at his wife's face, feeling humiliated, listening to you know, her being disrespected on these social media, watching their kids angry at the same situation. And he ate that. He ate that. He didn't do nothing. He ate that. They dealt with it. They moved on. Now we at Oscars Awards and you choose again as you sit up there as the host to utilize your voice and your platform to talk something about my wife. At what point as a man is it okay for you to say, this ain't okay? Maybe you saying that you wouldn't have smacked him, man. Maybe, but what I, the way that, and I tell people all the time, the way that people respond to your disrespect is not your choice, right? Somebody might've been like, oh, you should have pulled them to the side. No, the disrespect happened publicly. I'm a firm believer that when disrespect happens publicly, the consequences or the apologies needs to be public as well. People want to disrespect you publicly and, and quietly in the back say, yo, you know, it's just a joke. We cool and that. No, but the world just saw you talk to me crazy. And tomorrow I'm gonna have to hear how once again, me, Will is the sucker. He's a punk, this and that. People saying this is but so much of that any man can deal with. And I think at that point he was resolved in whatever was gonna come with that. Even when you look at his apology, he apologized to everybody else but that man, because that man disrespected him. That man purposely disrespected him. I think it's, that's why I said if it's, it's buffering for me, right? Like I love that Nisi Nash used that because I personally have been in fights. Like, and I'm not talking about 20 years ago. I'm talking about shit that has happened to me recently that I have in the hotel. We just was talking about that on the show a couple <clears throat> of last year when we talked about the white man that put his hand in my face and, and his wife and I getting into a physical altercation. That shit happens. Like they were arrested because everybody in the hotel saw what took place. But people do get into fights. So when I, when I, to your point, being, making sure that you're not coming from a place of a high road, road judgment, where you look at somebody else's situation and all of a sudden, because it's Will Smith, you don't see the human side of this man, right? That I try not to do. So that's one one thing. Then you know, I I'm I'm probably biased anyway because Jada, I love Jada with all my heart. That is my sister, and to see her be disrespected like that in that moment, I probably would have wanted to fight for her as well. And I I cannot sit here and tell you I would never sit here and say that I don't appreciate the fact that Will Smith said fuck it, whatever has to go along with it. You're not going to just keep playing with Jada. Period. So that's a full stop for me. 
on this side of the conversation, I still, when you said just now that people keep talking about it being emotional and um, a breakdown, I don't know if I'm going to say it's a breakdown. I don't think that it was a breakdown at all, but it's definitely an emotional response. Absolutely. Because when, first of all, when you hit someone that is called lashing out. So that means that your emotions are involved with the decision that you're making at that point, because feeling disrespected, all of that causes emotions to come to the forefront. But I think about just two weeks ago, when Gail King asked him about infidelity in his marriage, I literally saw Will's face get very, very stern as he responded to her in a way to let her know, y'all, they have said over and over again, I was listening to Teslin, um, Straight Shot No Chase, our homegirl who is also in the Black Effect, she was on live last night and I was listening to her and she said something that is so true. These people have already told y'all over and over and over again about how they conduct their relationship, their marriage. They done said it. I mean, I can't imagine. They say it ain't no infidelity. They say what you call infidelity, infidelity. They, they have said it over and over and over again. So when people start still, you know, saying or trying to shame him or her because of it, I know that you could tell from the way he responded to Gail King, it's like to say for the 90th time or the 9,000th time, it's not infidelity because every everything that has gone on in our marriage, we have had a conversation about it and made decisions about what's best for us at that time. So I think that it is definitely a reaction that is not just about Chris, but it is a long, it's, 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 it, there are too many Chris's that exist in his life. But I don't think, you want me to tell you what I don't, why I don't agree with that? Because had they been talking about entanglement, I would say that, right? Had he went up there and said, oh, well, you know, maybe his entanglement number, the, the new No, movie. but see, but that's not even, but that's not the point I'm making. I'm talking about what creates a balling point, right? Not just entanglement. It's not just that. Like you said, it's the hair. It's also people who have attacked Willow over time. Like Will has sat by quietly while people have picked at his, in, his entire family. That's something that he has dealt with. And he's handled it very professionally. Like this is why it's probably so much of a shock. Like, so if, for instance, if Puff had jumped up there and slapped somebody, people probably would be like, mm, I could see that, right? I could see that because hip hop and the history and fights that have happened and all of that, they might have been able to see that, which, you know, I'm, I'm, let's not, I'm not saying that he would, I'm just saying they probably would have been able to reconcile that more because unfortunately we, we as humans associate hip hop culture with violence. Right. Yeah, but but he's exactly my point. This is the point that I'm making. But because he has been able to hold himself with such respectability and he's he's the pinnacle, the icon, you know, you don't really have many stains on Will Smith about things in the past and whatever. You don't have that. Right. 
When you see that and you hold him in that place, and I say this all the time, people should not be held on those types of pedestals because in their moments of frustration, of, to your point, getting to the end of their rope with something- Of being human. Of being human, they may respond. And so I think that is why you see such a response. You saw him respond that way because it's like full stop. Y'all are not going to just keep this going. And now you're sitting here. It's like you think that I'm, I'm, you could just pick on my wife right here at this moment. And that's just not going to happen. So anyway, you know, it's a, you, you can go around and around in so many different directions. But I, I know Will and Jada well. We both know them. And I know that Will Smith is a great man. He's a talented man, but he also is a fierce protector of his family. And Jada has endured a lot of bullshit. And for her to sit there at that show and have Chris Rock pick on her hair, it was a moment where I think, to your point, Will made a decision that win, lose, or draw, not tonight. So let's go to our guest because, um, you know, the, the guest that we have coming up today, she has had many experiences um, over time where people have disrespected, fallen out, fallen in, back and forth, and uh, her family has figured out a way to stay above the fray. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. 
Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So this month of women's history uh, has been incredible on street politicians. I'm really proud of what we've been doing, Mice, um, profiling all of these incredible women, getting so many gems. It's just been a month of gems. And I think that's what uh, women bring to the table. Celebrating women is not a bad thing. I'm not sure where in the world they became this. If you celebrate women, then that means you're putting down men. I don't know where it came from that we can't celebrate our brothers as well. I'm excited to do that next. Uh, and, you know, it just feels good. This has been a high moment for me in this show, being able to, to really celebrate the lives of so many incredible women that are making real, real, real substantial change and just big moves. Everybody from Mona, Scott to um, Milan, it's just been incredible. And today is really, 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 really special. It's special because we have someone who uh, the gems that she possesses, we've seen how that turned out in the world. Two incredible daughters who are out in the world doing great work and being black and proud. Uh, we know that it comes from having such a strong mother, mother and father, but today, Women's History Month, we celebrate in mom. Um, and I'm really excited to bring her on because the gems that she shares with the world, she does not hide from those of us who are, excuse me, the gems that she shares with her daughters, she doesn't hide from the rest of us as young women who have to reach out sometimes and say, hey, how should I navigate this? What should I do? Um, and so today is a very special day for us. We have Tina Knowles Lawson. Tina Knowles Lawson, uh, an entrepreneur, businesswoman, fashion designer, philanthropist, executive producer, and the mother of Beyonce hey. and Solange. Hey. Ain't that something? Oh, <laughs> she got a lot going on. That stuff. Yes, she has. And look, and don't forget a grandma. Okay, and then mother to so many others from Kelly to Tamika Mallory, we all count on Miss Tina to put us in our place and also drop those gems that make us stronger. So welcome to Street Politicians, Tina, no Tina Knows Lawson. Oh, that was such a great introduction. I'm touched. <laughs> it was true. Because it's, it's true, man. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on our show. Um, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I, I see a lot of jewels you drop. I see you having fun, you know, and, and just living in your truth and being such so grown, but still having this vibrance, yeah. you know, and, and I just appreciate that a lot of times as we get, I always want to say to myself, when I get older, I don't want to be the guy that just seems old and, and stuffy. You know, so when I look at you, you still have that youthfulness about you. That's just amazing. And you're beautiful. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. So let's just jump right into it because we know your time is valuable. You are. It's funny because you're not just like doing business. You're also 
babysitting grandchildren, helping with family stuff. So you've got a lot going on. But we want to know, I don't think people talk enough about you in the beginning, right? They see you as Beyonce and Solange's mother, and that's great. But you are really Tina Knowles Lawson on your own, which is an incredible accomplishment, all that you've been able to do. What, what was the start like for you? Um, the start is, you know, I grew up really poor in Galveston, Texas, which is like a little tiny town. It's actually an island right off from Houston. And um, with great parents that were very loving, but just didn't have a lot of um, aspirations, like for them to, to finish high school, to get married, have a family and get a good job, which would be like maybe the post office or, you know, those type of jobs. I'm sure many people can relate to that. They just didn't dream big and they didn't dream. They wanted the best for their children, but I think it was their way of protecting me from disappointment, Mm -hmm. from pain. And so they didn't have really big aspirations. And so when I was 14, I met someone, my brother's girlfriend who came into my life and she was I mean, I was just blown away by her style and her her grace and and how she wanted more in the world. She was actually a painter and uh, she started exposing me. She took me to see Alvin Ailey and Mm. oh my God, in the big city of Houston. And I saw all those beautiful black folks with nice cars and doing things. And I was like, I got to get out of here. So it made me want to get out of that little town. And I did. And I've had a very interesting life before uh, you know, Destiny's Child. And a lot of people say to me, um, God, you know, that changed your life. And I was doing the same thing I'm doing now. And um, so it's it's kind of irritating sometimes that people think my life started or I lived my whole life through my children. So thank you for saying that. I re- really appreciate it. So you, you yeah, because you started a salon. Is mm-hmm. that the first business that you had? That's the first yes. business? It's the first business, uh, but I was a makeup artist. Um, I came to LA and I was a makeup artist. I modeled, I traveled. Uh, I didn't really have the money to travel. So whoever lived in a place, if you live, you know, my my sister-in-law lived in Atlanta, I would go stay with her and, and experience the city. I came to LA, I stayed with my niece. I got a job as a, a, a makeup artist. I did many things before I opened a hair salon. I opened a hair salon at 33 after I had Solange. And um, so it was a very successful business. And, you know, it's, it's funny because God just gave me all these tools of, you know, from modeling to doing hair and doing makeup and doing all the things I did. I was actually able to use those as tools for um, when Destiny's Child started because I was trying to earn my keep to protect them because they were so young. They were like 15. Beyonce was 15. The other girls were 16. I was like, oh, Lord, I don't want to throw them to the wolves. So I earned my keep by doing their hair and, you know, packing their clothes and doing whatever I could to protect them. Mm. Yeah. I've been in this industry. So how how was that just when you first you know, brought them into the industry. Did you awaken to so many different things? Did you see, you know, the, the ills, the spills? Like, did it, how, how did, how was that? Well, that was scary because, you know, when the girls were like maybe 10 and 11, they met SWV 
and you know, they were at the top of their career. And I remember Lily telling me, Miss Tina, I have seen some things that I shouldn't have seen as a 15 year old. And so I just got on high alert. And so, you know, my thing was to protect them and not to have people, you know, doing all these crazy things. And plus the girls look very mature. Mm -hmm. So you know how that business is. I was like, oh, I, not on my watch. So, you know, I became very involved just to protect them at first. And, and as I got into it, I saw many, many things that I needed to protect them from. You know, and I, I do think that when people get into the business very early, that it's important that a parent, nobody's going to protect you like a parent or an aunt or somebody that's related to you that really loves you for you and not for the, the fanfare. It's not going to get caught up in the fanfare, you know? How, so, so, so do you feel like if you're a parent or a sister or brother or whatever, that you kind of take a backseat your own career when you're trying to push your children forward? Or do you feel like you could do both at the same time? I don't know. It seems hard. It's very hard. You know, for, it, it depends because, you know, my, my ex-husband was, um, he, he was a very successful businessman before he took on uh, Destiny's Child. And he was, you know, he reveled in it. He loved it. He was great at it. He protected the girls. He got opportunities for them with his corporate background. And, and for him, that was good. But for me, it was all about like, I'm going to protect my kids. I want them to, to have their dreams and I'm going to disappear and be invisible. And the thing I always said is I met many mothers that were kind of like caught up and I was like, Ooh, I don't ever want to be that. I'm never going to embarrass, say things or do things to embarrass my kids. So as a result, I kind of became invisible. Like people would ask me to do interviews and I'd say no. And it's not because I was shy. It was just because I didn't want to get, you know, it was all about them. And so when I got this divorce, you know, I had, I knew I had to get a divorce. I was like, you know what? I, I have given enough <laughs> and now it's my time, you know? So my kids didn't, they, I was a whole new woman. It was like, all of a sudden it was like, you know, it's about life right now is about me. And if you need me, I'm always there, but I'm going to not hide so much. And it's been great for me because, you know, people thought that I was shy. You know, my, my husband now says all the time, because I've been knowing him for 40 years. He's like, you know, you were so quiet and shy. And I was like, no, I wasn't shy. I just, you know, kind of became invisible. Mm. Mm. Oh. Well, you're not invisible no more. That's right. You know that. So I've been I see that you have a docuseries mm -hmm. profiled the black. What 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 made you want to to get into that? Like what was the inspiration behind it? Well, you know, I grew up with all these black men in my life and I saw, you know, I mean, how many times have I gone, you know, being with my brother or my nephews because my nephews are older than me or my age and we've gotten into an elevator and the lady steps over and holds a purse tighter or they lock the doors as you pass by and you know um black men are just so misunderstood and i've had that to happen to my brothers and my daddy and you know so it's always been something that has really bothered me how our black men are stereotyped and um and this young man trail thomas who i mentor um, he, he came over here so upset one day because, you know, a white guy that lived 
in his building in his high rise threw trash in front of his apartment. Like he was just harassing him. And, and he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm like five, six, but I'm still a threat. And, you know, women are still locking their doors. And he was just very frustrated because they had had two really negative, um, you know, Michael Jackson and the R. Kelly uh, documentaries. And he's like, I need to clean my palate. I need to do something positive on TV. And he said, I can't find anything. And I said, well, if you don't see it, in the words of Richard Lawson, create it. And if you create it, I will help you get it out there. So he came back with this concept and we flushed it out and we worked with a production company and so uh, profiled of a black man, you know, it, it came about that way. And I'm really proud of it because we give examples, you know, in, in one of the shows with the dangerous, we have a black man and a white man of the exact same height, weight, build, and people's perception black and white is that the black man is the most powerful and more muscular and more, you know, it's that, that perception that they have. So I'm hoping that we can change some of those perceptions with this show. Not, not only bigger and stronger, but dangerous, right? Dangerous. They, they yeah. equate the black man's strength with danger and, and, and danger. And they don't have that same, like you said, they can look at a white man with the same exact build and everything. And they don't feel, they don't have any fear. So I well, look what they say every time they shoot one of us. It's like I was afraid. Even if 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 we got on, we got handcuffs behind our back. You know, it, it, we're still dangerous. So that's the thing: the fear. Were you producing before this, or was this like your first time saying, "I'm gonna do. I'm really gonna be this involved with the uh, production"? Well, yes, this was my first time. Wow. That's and, and the first time. So what I'm enamored about is that you, as much stardom as your family has, it does not stop you from making sure people know you support Black men um, and that you are an, a strong advocate for justice and the rights of Black people. For this, for this particular show, what is it that you want to see? What do you want to accomplish? Is it about changing culture or was it really just like a gift to Black men? It's both. Uh, but I'm just hoping that, you know, the, the great thing about it is that it's on Discovery Plus. And so when we were talking to networks about it and we talked to the Black networks, I kept saying, guys, we know we're not dangerous. We know our men are not dangerous. We, we know that our men love their women. We know all these positive things. Who need to know is like the lady on the plane who said my my uh, son-in-law was a gangster rapper when he was a CEO of Def Jam. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that's the people that need to know. So I'm very excited that it's on that network and that hopefully it will change. If it changes the perception of one person, then it's worth it. And it's good for, to remind us because sometimes we are our worst enemy in terms of we do the same thing, you know, I talk to people all the time that that say, you know, I have a network of, of black people that, you know, my plumber, my, um, you know, my my the person who paints my house and, and you know, and, and we will say, oh, I don't deal with I don't fool with black companies because they do 
it's so crazy because if a white company comes out and they do a bad job, you say, oh, I'm not using that company anymore. You don't write us all off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because sometimes we perpetuate those same stories within our own community and we got to stop that. So if that will help us to see and to really, you know, just think about the fact that we are, we do, we do love our women. You know, we are, uh, our men are not dangerous. In our community, it helps as well. It's true. Wow. Okay, so I, I, I was stuck because I never heard about the, the white woman who told you that your son-in-law was a gangster rap? Yeah, well, she did. She, I was on a plane coming from Houston and, and she came on and she, she was like, you know, she seemed like a really nice lady. And then she said, well, you know, I just have a question, you know, your um your son is a gangster rapper and actually he said that he was 50 cent she thought he was 50 cent because she just kind of lumped them all everybody in one category yeah and and i said no actually my son-in-law is a ceo hmm. but before that she said how you know why did you let him marry your daughter like it was crazy that this lady felt comfortable enough to say this to me and it didn't come from like a it came from ignorance. Like she it's wasn't. Right a, yeah, right exactly. Because she really seemed to be a night. I mean, I was smiling and having a conversation with her. And then she just got comfortable and asked me that. And it just, you know, it made me really sad because how does she, you know, maybe she doesn't keep up with the news, but like that was her perception that if you're a rapper, you're, you know, you're a gangster rapper and, and, you know, thug and all the things that came with that. Yeah, but I mean, even a rapper, like, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? It's that it's the perception that they have, which, as you said, that will make them shoot you. Like, absolutely hurt you. And it's very, very dangerous for us. And that's why we have to have voices that really speak out. And, you know, and I think what you're doing with the black man is one of those things. So your social media, Mama Tina's social media is hilarious. We laugh so hard about how sometimes you just come out and say whatever it is that's on your mind. Do you feel like we're living in a real toxic social media time and like sometimes you find yourself frustrated online with what you see? Yeah, sometimes I do. Um, and some of the comments that people have and how negative they can be and how ugly they can be. It, 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 it hurts my heart. But by the same token, it's such a great tool. It's a double-edged sword sometimes because, you know, we can get the message out. Like, I would not know the work that you're doing if I couldn't get on social media. But, I, you know, there have been so many times that you guys have, you know, when you went down to, to uh, Kentucky and, you know, that allowed me to see what you were doing, support and pray. You know, I'm a praying mama. And so, I, you know, and I've sent you messages that you covered in prayer. And I couldn't do that if I didn't have social media because it is such an amazing tool. So we have to take the good with the bad. And, you know, the greatest thing is that block and delete button. You know, we <laughs> can do that in life. You know, you can do it in life, though. You actually can. I guess so. Not that easy, though. It's like block. Delete. You block gratification. Oh God, I block people so much, like every day, because 
You know, and, and when I first got on social media, my kids were so afraid, you know, they were just really mad at me. And they were saying, mama, you know, you're opening yourself up. And they've always been so protective of me. Like part of the reason why they haven't wanted me to be in the limelight is not because they didn't want me to be in limelight. They were like, people are so hateful. And it's one thing for them to come after me. But, you know, they come after you. I'm going to have to go after them. And it put me in a bad position. And, you know, the thing is that, um, that once I found out you could block and delete, the first probably year that I was on social media, I blocked and deleted every day. I, you know, anything that was negative. And after a while, people know that, yeah, I might do this, but I'm gonna get blocked and deleted. So I'm just gonna, you know, watch what I say because my site is about positivity. It's about lifting people up. It's not about dogging people out, you know, and it's to spread information that needs to be put out there. And, you know, it's funny because I am really trying, like the last few weeks, it's been so many things that have bothered me. And I'm like, Tina, don't go there because right now is not a good time for people to start attacking. Because, you know, they start attacking you, and especially when you just tell the truth. But some things are really bothering me right now. And I'm just trying to um, pick and choose my battle. So every time I'm not that person that's you know, fighting, fighting, because I've been fighting. I've been having a fight on there. Yeah, I, I mean, around voting rights, you know, I saw you really, really, really like, this is not okay, you know, right. and, um, and, and I think also you're fair in that you're not just like, well, one side is wrong. Like, I see you talk about the fact that like everybody can do better in these situations. And I think that's good. And I wonder, like, when you when people attack you, is it is it? Let me put it this way: Do you feel like you get more people who are black folks saying we shouldn't be talking about these issues? Just stick with entertainment, or is it the white supremacists that come after you? You know, oh, because sometimes, and I think what happens a lot in social media is that I think the that that sometimes you know they will have a picture of a black person, but you'll go on. I go on to see their site which right. I'm sure you do. And they'll have like five followers. So you know that they just set up an account to come on there and harass and to say all these horrible things, you know, that's so racist. And um, I get that, a lot of that. And I also get, you know, like you said, some of our people saying, why don't you just shut up and be a celebrity and your voice doesn't count and, you know, that kind of thing. So that just fuels me to to, you know, it just, it, it gets me fired up because who are you to tell me that I shouldn't have a voice? I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to help, you know, in any way I can. It's not like I'm dogging people. Mm-hmm. That's right. And speaking of your voice, you know, you have your talk show. Yeah. And how was that going? Do you, do you talk about like serious things in your talk show? Do you talk about like what what do you really focus I've on? I've been on. We've talked about very serious things. Oh, okay. well, the new talk show I haven't been on, but I but you started. Yeah, your show for voting. Yeah, that's right. You did. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was about voting, and then I just found that I liked it. I love you know I'm very inquisitive, and I love the the 
the three things that I love the most is I love inviting people over to my house and talking to them and picking their brain about things and just finding out their story. I've always been inquisitive since I was a kid. And my kids are always like, mama, you, you, you know, you are interviewing people. Like, don't be asking them all those questions, but it's just my nature to do. So, so when I did that, first thing, I really enjoyed just talking to people and hearing their views on things. But I cook in my, my show, I cook for them. I cook gumbo for everybody. And they come over and they feel so comfortable because they're in my living room and we just have a conversation. So they're just talks with Mama Tina and people open up and, you know, about things, but I, I don't broach any subjects that they don't want to broach. I'm like, if it's anything off limit, you know, anything you want me to erase. And so people feel comfortable and I just love talking to them and I love bringing their mamas in. Cause I feel like if you see, you know, most of the time there's a mom somewhere, you know, that is supporting a dad too, but you know, I'm a woman. So I, I kind of focus on women. Yeah. A mom that is invisible. Right? Yeah. A mom that's invisible. That's a powerful statement that when your child is out there doing whatever we do try to disappear right you know yeah. and, and try to get into the shadows if you will but sometimes you have to actually be in front of them helping to sort of guide and lead them through and you learn things as a parent out in the world that needs to be shared with other people absolutely you are trying to bring their young people up do you you raising to celebrity mega celebrity young people how, what was the tension of that? Like, would you being a mom telling them do go left and they want to go right? Like, what are the gems that you have for parents? How much is too much parenting? Well, I, I think because my parents were so super strict on me, I was never strict on my kids. Okay. But you know, Kelly came to live with us when she was 10. So I have to include her in, in my, my girls. And you know, she and Beyonce were so, so focused on their careers from like nine and 10 that they, I had to literally make them go to parties. Like I can remember saying, no, you going and them saying, we don't want to go because they were kind of shy and really, you know, closed off from the other kids. And I'm like, no, you're going to this party. And I would drop them off and watch them and say, you better go in this party. And of course they would stay a little while and call me and um, they just weren't really into partying much, but Solange came along and that was my two bit change. Like she was like, she liked to party. She liked to, you know, hang with her friends. And, um, and so it was a, it was a different thing, but I think, so I never had to really be overbearing with them. I was just really free with them. And I talked to them all the time and I made them feel like they could tell me anything and that I wasn't going to judge them or judge their friends. I was always that mom that had a house full of their friends over. And so I think just to, you, you know, you, you, you set the boundary that I'm not your little friend, you uh -huh. know, your little friend but we are, we can talk and you can talk to me and you don't have to be scared. And I'm, I wasn't all strict and all in their business. And, um, and as far as them, you know, having a career, we did everything we could to help them reach the goals that they wanted to reach my, I mean, you know, financially, um, spiritually, 
you know, keeping them grounded and going to church because that made all the difference in the world for them to have that balance mm -hmm. and it not be all about making it and success and, you know, that kind of thing. But they were pretty easy. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. You said we not your, I'm not your little friend, but I'm not your little friend. No. <laughs> that's that's what that's what Mama said. Look, I'm not your little friend. We ain't gonna play like you. That's friend. right. So, what what would be your advice? Like you you have you know you've seen so many things. You've you've nurtured stars, superstars. You've yourself in your own right are superstar. You've created businesses. You've done so many things, and you and you admitted that you come from absolutely nothing. What would be your advice for a young, single black woman coming up in this world, coming from nothing? How, what would you tell her would be the first step to being successful? I think it's really trying to find, if you don't have within your world, someone that you can look up to, that you can aspire to be like, um, find you somebody. You know, just find somebody in your neighborhood, find a teacher, find somebody to be your mentor that will, you know, and tell them I need help. Like I need exposure to, to things. You know, our charity is um, very much about those hundred kids. We have right at a hundred kids from South Central that don't get to see the world in their, you know, they don't, they can't see a lot out of their zip code, when they first come in, I interview every one of them and I say to them, if you could live anywhere you want to live, you know, if you if money was an object, where would you live? And a lot of them say down the street from my mama, because they have not seen anything outside of their zip code. And, and their families are busy trying to make a living and survive. And so they don't they, you know, they haven't been to the beach. They haven't stayed in the hotel. So we do all those things for them to expose them. And, and you know, I had a phone call the other day and I'm, I get really emotional about it. But one of the little girls that started with us, um, my first class, who was so shy that she would not even talk. I mean, you know, you had to pull things out of her and was very smart, but just, you know, nobody was telling her she was smart. And um, she just called me the other day. Anyway, she's had a lot of obstacles and said, I got into UCLA mm. and I'm going to college. And, you know, I have you and Mr. Lawson to thank for that because we planted that seed in her. If you don't have anybody that can plant that seed in you and help you to see something bigger than your zip code, Find, you you gotta as a kid, and it's hard find that one person that can help you, um, because that's what happened. That that girl changed my life. My my my. She became my sister in law, but she changed my complete trajectory of my life. I would have stayed in that little town and been happy to have a family. And that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but look what I created in my life because. She was saying, girl, you don't have to stay here. You got talent. You know, you designing stuff, you doing hair, you doing makeup. You could do something in fashion. So, so in some people's lives, nobody has ever told them that. Can you imagine? Right, right, right. Yeah. right. Finding somebody that can plant those seeds in you is so very, very important because there's so much negativity in the world 
that you have to have people pour into you something that sort of like uh, shifts your mindset. And you use the word that is, I think, the key, exposure. You know, and I often wonder, how does a young person get that exposure when they live in a community and have never even traveled maybe to the other borough? That's you right. have people in Brooklyn who have never been to Manhattan. So where, right. where, where do they go? Maybe the internet opens it up for that type of exposure. But And I'm not asking this as a question. It's just a thought. It's like, what do we do to provide a space? Because your mentorship program, the work that we do, it's not enough to cover all of the young people in our society, you know? And, and I ask people, every time I go to speak to a group or I talk, I ask people to take one kid. If this one kid at your church or at your community or at your job that, you know, somebody has a kid and they're working all the time and you could take that kid to the movie, you can take them to get their nails done, give them experiences that they have never had before, pay for their prom dress, you know, do something for one kid. If everybody in the world did that, it would change things. And so, you know, I'm just all about mentoring because it saved my life. It really did. Wow. That's amazing. I, I wish I was one of your grandkids to get all this mentorship <laughs> and this, this mama love that you give. Because the way that you give it to the world, I know they get it too. For how, is, how fun is it being a grandmother? Oh, it's the best. I know you got to be like the coolest grandmother in the world. Well, we had so much fun last night because they had an Oscar party and they had a red carpet and the whole thing. And they had a little party where their friends dressed up. And, and um, you know, I got to see most of my grandkids except for my, my older grandson. So it was, it was really amazing. Your oldest grandson is like grown now, isn't he? 17. Wow. So is he Crazy. still grandma's baby or he's like at oh, that yeah. age? Yes. Oh. And I mean, we are really, have always been super close. And yeah. so, you know, we talk all the time. He, he lives in another state and he's coming to spend a week with me. So I can't wait till he gets here. Last, last question for me is how important, well, how do you make family time with all this stuff y'all have going on? I mean, I know you guys take really, really tight vacations. Yeah, and a lot of vacations. <laughs> right. You do that. But, you know, as a married woman, um, and being busy, uh, Mr. Lawson doing movies and he's out in the world. Then you have your children all over the place. What does scheduling look like? Well, you know, I, I'm really busy, but, but nothing comes like, I got to have my family time and all of us are like that. So we make sure that we have that time together and, uh, that we see each other very often because, you know, you just never know. And I'm trying to now just really make the space to, to spend as much time with my kids and my grandchildren as I can, because I'm, I'm 68 years old. So, you know, I want to be able to run and, and play with them and, and be active with them. Wow. Tina. Well, you, no. Tina, I just want to say thank you for coming up here, dropping these gems. Thank you for continue to glow and, and be the light that you are. You know, like people don't understand you a lot more than Solange's and Beyonce's mother. You are Miss Tina Knows Lawson and you are great in your own rank. And every time I hear when she say, my mama was a boss, I got this from Tina. I'd be like, you damn right. You damn right. Hey, y'all are so sweet. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me.
So and thanks for supporting us, man. You've always been very vocal about supporting us, and we want to say thank you for. Well, y'all, listen. I have to say that I'm so impressed with you, young folks, uh, because y'all could be somewhere having a good time and partying. And I know this is not easy. I know it's not easy, and I just thank God for you guys because y'all just keep on fighting and fighting for us, and and I so appreciate that. Yeah, well, we know we have you there supporting us and always cheering us along. And I always tell you, those text messages mean so much because people are mean. To your point, people are mean. And I think that folks have a feeling because you're Beyonce, because you're whoever, my son, Tamika, whoever, that we're not humans. And that it doesn't hurt to be constantly bombarded with negativity. So when you have people, especially someone of your caliber and your stature in life, to take the time to text a bunch of young women and say, hey, you know, hold your head. So I see you supporting Chloe, you know, so just, just making sure those young girls, her and her sister, they're protected as well. It matters to us. And we just want to thank you and tell you that we love you and we support you. Uh, the Black man, that's big. People need to, to really, seriously, we have to support Black folks that make films and docu-series and are in the production world. We should not allow time to go by and we say, oh, I didn't watch it. I didn't get to it. No. Focus right. and make sure folks know. Profile the Black man. We've got to see yeah, fund our stuff, right? Give, make sure you fund our own our stuff. So we love you. All right, I love y'all too. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you soon. See you soon. All right, bye bye. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of Black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everybody, this is Carrie Champion, and I'm here to announce that the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards on April 27th. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with your Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event you want to be at. You don't want to miss it because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. 
AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. That's how we own it. Miss Tina is a G. All the way. You know, she she if you go with her, she'll take you like she'll say whatever she needs to say. She's yeah. not censored and nobody's scripted there. Ain't no scripted no there. She's definitely no, scripted. There's no PR people gonna tell her she can't say this and she can't. Yeah, that's a grown, that's a grown woman. That's a the grown adult woman, and she'd say, I ain't your little friends. <laughs> you know, that was definitely a mama statement right there. Look, I ain't your little friends. Yeah, but, no, but she's on. She's dope. She, you know, and I, and, and we always say we could have talked to her for a long time to really get into her, even her, her concerns about this country. Um, because I see that she is, you know, she's really concerned. I've received messages from her at times when she's like, yo, like this is really serious. And, sh- and I'm not sure that people understand the climate that we're in and how much worse things can get. And sometimes our celebrities are not that aware, you know, so you know what type of children she has based upon the type of mother that she is and the type of woman that she is. Yeah, she's definitely a dope person, man. So I'm glad I'm glad that you know people. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad that you be knowing good people. She supports you as well. I mean, she does, but I'm saying but I met her through you because she does. I'm not saying she doesn't, but, you know. These women, they always they say, "Oh, Tamika," and the next thing you know, they go, "Oh, they got they got this guy over here. He, he kind of dope too." You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I appreciate it. She definitely. I mean, when we were living in Kentucky, um, she along with a bunch of women. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, you you know, all the women, Gammy, uh, Jada, and 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 um, you know, well, Jada's mother. Uh, you know, she was super supportive. People sending packages. You know, people have really been there to try to hold us down as we do this movement work. And as I said to her, it's really important because, you know, you, you're you getting hit from one side to the next. You know, it's like you're in a constant rumble and you have people that can stop and sort of center you so that you know, hey, you have support out here. You got people that, that are fight with you, you know, and stand next to you. So... That's cool. But I, I love hearing her talk about her businesses that she started even before, because other than, okay, you do hear about the fact that she had a beauty salon, because we know that Beyonce grew up in the beauty salon, singing in the beauty salon and, and being in there all day. But she's done a bunch of stuff. She actually, in her own right, was going to always be successful. Um, you know, you can tell that and and she and, and again to her point using all the skill sets from the different things that she's done in her life it was necessary to pour that into her kids and i feel like that for us as parents um as people who have projects and other things we're working on we always have to remember that the experiences of our lives can be used 
to enhance whatever we're working on. So, you know, whatever you've done, you can use it. Oh, well, you know, I need to go back to school and get three degrees. For some people that might work, but for some people you might not actually have to do that. You really just need to move forward with what is in your hand, you know, and use the talent that you have. So that's me preaching to myself that I don't need to, you know, always sort of procrastinate and delay whatever is next because I think I'm not skilled enough or I don't have all of these things, you can jump in and use the skills you have to build on it and really create greatness. And I think that's what Tina Knowles has done. And there you have it. The great Miss Tina Knowles. Yes, Tina Knowles, Lawson, honey, because she's going to talk about that Lawson. <laughs> that's a husband name. Yes, a husband. So that brings us to the end of our Women History series. We hope that you enjoyed it. We had so many dope women that I've definitely learned from, that I've admired for years, powerful, you know, leading women in this world, in this industry, just in life period. You know, so I hope that you really got something from it or probably learned something because I learned a lot of things that I didn't know about these powerful women, you yeah. know, during these episodes, during these interviews. So I hope that you got something from it and go back, look at the episodes. If you missed it, you don't want to miss it. You definitely need to tune into these episodes. They are very powerful and life-changing. So what we're going to do for our next series is we're going to talk about financial literacy and wealth building. We're going to have some of the key, you know, components and individuals who I think are leading the conversations in things like cryptocurrency and nfts and all of the the, the different um, um places that we can go to find um cryptocurrency and in the metaverse all these things we're going to talk about all these things because i don't know a lot about it but i want to know about it because i want to make money like everybody else so we're going to have people that i think we think are leading the conversations in those areas. So we want to make sure that you tune into that. Do not miss it. Once again, we want to say we appreciate y'all. We love y'all for tuning in and making us the number one show. Street Politicians, the number one show, right? We the number one show. I'm not even, no, but we're moving on up. We, we like number that. one. Come on, you got to speak it. Come on now. If you wanted to be it, you got to speak. You got to already have it. The number one show, man, Street Politicians. If you have any apartment, oh, in the sky. Look, I couldn't remember. We moving on up. Look, you if you don't remember the Jeffersons, then well, I got a little bit of the words of the song. That's why I stopped. We don't need need all the words. Exactly. You got to know the words. So we're moving on up. And if you have any ideas, if you have topics you want to hear, please. Contact us at Street Politicians Pod on Instagram. DM us. Let us know you love us. Let us know you hate us. Let us no. know your favorite shows. Let us know everything, the shows you hate the most, what you want us to get rid of, what you want us to add. Let us know. We take all in anything. We take it in. We might not care what you say or we might agree, but we want you to give us your feedback anyway. Witness Tina, block and delete. I didn't know how to block and delete. But I have since learned, and I'm using it. Honey. Oh no, block and delete is a thing, man. But yeah. you know, I live a beautiful life. So shout out to my boy, Embroidery Kings, beautiful life gear. This hat is fire. But when you live a beautiful life, you don't yeah. care about the negativity. And with that said, 
I'm not going to always be right. Most of the time I will be. Tamika Mallory's not going to always be wrong. Most of the time she will be. But we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. That's how we own it! AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com.